0: Hi everyone, Steve Witts here and I'm joined by my associate Jonathan for Dougwood for the latest Nordic Football podcast. Uh, how are you doing Jonathan?
1: Steve, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, it's good to be back on the show and quite excited about this week's show and waiting waiting to do it and really looking to, forward to talking about the Champions League and the big games coming up.
0: Yeah, same here. I think it's um, it's starting to hot up, isn't it? With a lot of transfers, um, a lot of uh, Crucial European ties coming up. Um, the Norwegian League returns this week after a bit of a break. And uh, I know in Sweden, um, they've been going back uh, for a good two or three two or three weeks now after their break. So well, I think we'd better start, aren't we, in the uh, in the Champions League? And I think a lot of people were surprised uh, last week when uh, Celtic were held at home by Rosenborg. Um, I don't know if you saw any of that game, uh, John, but uh, I'm sure it was uh, a result that rather caught your eye.
1: Yeah, well, I don't think anyone saw it. Uh, from what I understand, there was some problems with the broadcasting uh, between Celtic and Rosenborg. I mean, you might be able to say more about that than myself, but um, I don't think it was available anywhere in many places to watch. It caused quite a stir from people. But in terms of the game, yeah, it's, uh, it was a tremendous result for Rosenborg, wasn't it? Really, it's given them a, a lifeline of, and a real chance going into the second leg now of getting past Celtic, which would be a massive achievement. Uh, you were the Norwegian expert. What did you What did you make of it?
0: Well actually on, on the night I was on the golf course and um, so I couldn't have watched it live if I, even if I wanted to but um, I did hear that there was a big problem with the blackout uh, issues so uh, yeah, that was a bit of a shame. I um, don't know if we're going to have the same sort of issues uh, this Wednesday but in terms of performance I thought um it was one of their best um, tactical displays for quite a long time actually. Um they, they played uh, Celtic perfectly, um, sort of a good, really good counter-attacking game uh, whilst restricting uh, the Scottish uh, outfit. I actually thought Rosenborg could have scored two or three goals, really, if they had been a bit more clinical. It's a shame from their point of view that um, they haven't got the away goal, but if you had offered them a nil-nil, they would have snapped your hand off because, I mean, pre-game, let's be honest, a lot of so-called... Experts around, um, you know, Norwegian and Scottish football were, were, were predicting an absolute whitewash. You know, I was seeing predictions of four, five nil Celtic, and um, whilst I must admit myself, I, I didn't envisage um, Rosenborg getting a, a draw out of the game. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a there were there wasn't quite enough respect being given. Uh, you know, to the Norwegian champions uh, in this instance. I I thought 1-0, 2-0 Celtic was the most likely score, I must say myself. Um, But uh, 0-0, fantastic outcome. What did you think was the key
1: to Rosenborg turning it around? Because I remember in a previous pod you you were kind of saying that you were worried about their chances maybe, potentially. Um, What do you think was it that, you know, allowed them to get this result? Was it it a, a failing on Celtic's part or was it Rosenberg performing above their level?
0: I think they adopted the right mentality for this game. Um, Obviously in the league, they used to be in the top dog in every single match, pretty much, uh, you know, constantly on the front foot. It was interesting in the away game at Dundalk, they played the second half a lot more conservative than, uh, conservatively than normal, happy um, to get a one-all draw. And I think um, maybe they've learned a bit from that. And, um, and realised that, that Celtic, you know, are a much bigger team than them, really uh, bigger favourite anyway. And th- th- they were ha- they were content to defend uh, a lot better. I think the preparation w- w- was was much stronger for, for whatever reason. Maybe this break from the the the, the, the elite Asarian, uh, that's, uh, that, that, that they've had there has helped them as well, allowed them for a lot more preparation time. And that was the whole aim of the league, obviously, to to provide the teams in Europe with, with an edge. Um, around this time of year so um, a few things combined really also Celtic weren't really at it I don't know whether they presumed an easy win or not but let's just not not forget that it's very early in in the Scottish season isn't it still and you know they can get away with it against teams like Linfield uh, and that but uh, you know this is a step up for Celtic as well Scottish football to be brutally honest in my personal opinion is absolutely crap um you know and uh you know, obviously Celtic are the best team there, but uh, for them, for they themselves, it uh, perhaps presumed too much. I think it was a bit of both, and it's really interesting uh, second leg coming up. And honestly, I think Reusenborg have got every chance to to qualify. Well, yeah, let's
1: look at the you know second leg now because uh, it's, it's coming up, and two of Celtic's key well, two, one especially one key player should be back in Lee Griffiths, the, the, the striker, um, which will be a big boost for them. They they missed him in the first leg. Um, and I think Eric Fiaccenko is another player who's going to be coming back for Celtic. So that will, you know, the, the Griffiths will have firepower. How do you see that game, uh, Celtic are in Trondheim, flew to Trondheim, and how do you see that game at the Lerkendal Stadium
0: going? Well, I think Rosenborg got to win the game because I just don't see it being nil nil. Um, I think to shut out Celtic for for two legs is, is asking a bit too much. So I think Rosenborg are going to have to win the game. Um probably means scoring a couple of goals, doesn't it, realistically? Um, they've got to be a bit more clinical with their chances in this instance, uh, be really tight from set pieces. I think they've got to stay disciplined, but at the same time, they've got to open themselves up a little bit more as well. Alternatively, they could stay on the back foot and counterattack Celtic and wait for, for sort of mistakes from, from Celtic and hope that the visitors self-destruct because, you know, say it is nil-nil after an hour, then the pressure is still a lot more on Celtic, isn't it? Uh, maybe they might, might might self-destruct or something, but uh, it's gonna be really interesting how it goes on and uh, You know, uh, I didn't expect them to be in this position going into the second leg, but at the moment they're, they're holding um they're certainly doing uh, Norwegian football and Scandinavian football proud in this uh, Champions League
1: now A little birdie tells me that you actually are quite keen for Rosenberg to go through and you would be quite pleased to see Celtic go out of the Champions League. Um, Is that birdie correct?
0: Yeah, I don't like Celtic really, I've got to be honest. Um, Nothing personal, but I guess over the years, they're just not a club that I really like much, to be honest. I always preferred Rangers myself uh, in the Scottish League. Um, But, you know, um, also... Obviously, I'm uh, a Norwegian football man at the moment, so it makes sense to cheer on the um, the side, even if it is Rosenborg. But yeah, I'm not really a great uh, Celtic fan. I'm not really a great Brendan Rodgers fan. No disrespect or anything, but that's just my personal opinion. So yeah, I'd quite like to see Celtic uh, go out, really.
1: Well, Brendan Rodgers, uh, on that note, he said that he never worries about losing, that they're prepared to win and that they plan to win. And Scott Sinclair is also quite upbeat and says they've got a positive mindset for the game. I mean, I don't have any enmity towards Celtic, as as you perhaps do, so any listeners there, you know, to balance it out, I'll I'll say that, you know, I don't mind Celtic, but myself, so, you know. But uh, let's get a prediction from you before we move on to the next one, uh, very briefly.
0: 2-1, Rosenborg, go through. There you go, then. And in the Champions League, obviously... Um, Sweden are without a representative after Malo's shock departure um, in the previous round. And Vardar, they're at it again, John. They are the Scandinavian killers. Um, another shock victory for them, this time against FC Copenhagen. 1 0 um, in the first leg. And FC Keg have to turn that one around, aren't they?
1: They will. Vardar, Vardar uh, taking to knocking down Scandinavian teams like. Uh, I don't know a knife to a knife to Lurpak. and um, yeah, it's going to be a you know I th- we'll see how the second leg goes. I won't I won't lie. I didn't see the game, so I really don't have much of an idea about that game. Um, but I'll tell you who I've caught my eye in this in this round, and that's FH or uh, I don't know how I'm going to pronounce this,
0: uh, <laughs> but I think it's <laughs> Hafna Fjordor, I believe um yeah the Icelandic representatives are uh, are still uh in this uh, competition and they've got a home leg against Maribor you like my pronunciation um, Steve? I really liked it I'm gonna have to give it a go now as well I think um yeah. is it how about that it, it That's, does
1: something to the soul it's quite it's
0: sort of quite cleansing isn't it to say it I think well, well I'm gonna call them FH for short but the first leg uh result. Uh, they only lost 1-0 against Maribor, which is actually a pretty good result away from home, isn't it?
1: Yeah, they've got it all to, all to, all to do now. I mean, we're down to those three, aren't we? I think in the Nordic region and the Champions League and F- FH or Half Hafnar Fjordur have it all to do. You know, they've got a game in Iceland and if they can do it in front of their home fans, you know, they they could potentially pass Maribor and get through. I mean, they've only lost once in their last seven european home matches uh winning four of those so potentially you know they could pull out an upset there and if they did uh, you know if you look at teams like malmo and obviously rosenberg if we were tipping teams to have to to progress in the champions league you wouldn't have had fh down as as being one of them but you know who knows with the playoff draw coming up on the friday the 4th of august they have the chance there um to to do that and well It'd be nice to see them in a draw. I don't know who would be doing the Champions League draw there, but whoever it is, uh, good luck to them pronouncing the the uh, that that name.
0: Yeah, it would be rather interesting, wouldn't it? Um, Hopefully not David Beckham or anyone. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, he he would particularly do a great uh, pronunciation of uh, that team. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, let's just move on to the Europa League and uh, Ostersunds, the Galatasaray killers. Uh, they had a little bit of a tougher. Tougher go of it in the in the most recent match, only one uh, nil victory against the uh, Luxembourg team uh, Fola. Um, but I guess uh, you know, keeping a clean sheet at home, you would still hope that uh, Ostasums could qualify there, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, I mean, I think they should go through. I think it would be
1: it'd be a massive disappointment now having knocked out Galatasaray if they lost to a uh, team from you know such a well a significantly weaker league. Uh, although you quite you seem to have a bit of a theory about this league, don't you?
0: Yeah, I've been I've been following the Luxembourg teams in this in the European competitions this season and they've given a much better account of themselves than you would expect. Um in terms of overall progression, um you know, I think Fola their last team left, but they haven't been getting battered by anyone really. Um uh, they've been keeping things tight. They got past Rangers, uh one of the teams, I can't remember what they were called, but uh, that just highlights my point how poor Scottish football is by the way. Um and, yeah, the Luxembourg League is one, I'm not saying to watch, but I don't think it's going to be an absolute walk in the park. And, obviously, the first leg was no walk in the park, was it, for them? Um, I'd just like to make a point about uh, Odd. They had a pretty good result away in Dynamo Zagreb, only losing 2-1. Uh, but it probably should have been 3 or 4. Uh, but Odd themselves maybe could have scored another goal as well. But, uh to get an away goal there against Dinamo Zagreb, um, you never know. I, mean, I, I can't believe the, Cor- the Croatian team will get knocked out by odd, but you never know, D. If they win that one 0 they're through. So good result for odd, really, as well. I think in in, in Europa League. Well, looking at Osterson's
1: going back to Ostersund's briefly, they they are in a there is a bit of a situation there. They have got two key injuries, uh, Saman Godos and Ken Semmer, who are really both you know standout players for them, and they they're both you know potentially could miss the game through injury. Uh, which would be a real a real blow for them. Uh, Douglas Burgfist is also going to miss the game. Uh, Jamie Hopcott, who we interviewed obviously on the on the last pod, is um, should be around, so he he's got a responsibility there. Good luck to him. But yeah, there there was some interesting. The fans actually booed Osterzen's uh, in their last game, uh, and Graham Potter, the English manager, has been quite critical of them, uh, saying that you know he never thought you know he would hear booing from them and. Um, that's, that's there was a little bit of criticism for him there in in that. Um, so there is, a, you know, little rumblings coming out of us at the moment. And, um, yeah, they, they drew Neil-Nil with Hampstead. And, um, you know, that's that's a situation to watch. I mean, if they went out of the Europa League, having conquered Galatasaray, it would be maybe more booze. So that's one to watch, I think. And, you, you know, maybe your, your theory could be right. But um, is there any other teams that, you know, we looking at? I think that's about it, isn't it?
0: Um, I guess while I'm on here I'll just have to make a quick mention to uh, the game that stood out in the previous round was Marseille beating Ustend 4-2 that was the most exciting uh, game of the round but we, AIK they uh, drew one all against Braga one all um, and in the first leg, I mean it's a difficult task, Braga are one of the top teams in Portugal I do believe uh, behind the obvious big three so uh, I think if they were to go there and uh, and qualify it would be a bit of a surprise but they're not out of the tie, are they? No,
1: they're not. I mean, um, that will be a great game. I think it will be, you know, it was really well set up, isn't it? Um, and obviously a, a team like AIK to go through is, is a real challenge. Uh, they've made some good transfer business and I think we're going to talk about transfers in, in, in the bulk of this show. I think we're going to look at both transfer windows so far and kind of an, analyse the state of play in both leagues. But on, on that subject, in terms of the Europa League, Um, the new signing of AIK, Chinadu Abassi, can actually play, I think. So um, he's rejoined AIK and he had an unsuccessful spell there, but the striker is, you know, he's a a talented player, a very talented player. And um, I think he's going to be in the squad for that game. So it was a one-all draw, but there is potentially a chance that AIK could pull off what would be considered an upset, I think, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, you never know. Uh, you not, They're not out of the game. And, you know, I could maybe another one or draw goes through extra time, penalties. Anything can happen. And obviously, Braga, they're in the same position as a lot of these uh, teams uh, in, in that uh, part of the world where their season is, is still quite a couple of weeks away. So they're going to be maybe a little bit rusty. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned transfers. We're going to have to talk about them now. Uh, we're right slap-bang in the middle of this uh, uh, Scandinavian transfer window and... Uh, I do with The Swedish window shuts the 11th of August, Norway on the 16th of August. Uh, so there's still quite a long way to go. A lot of rumors flying around, a lot of deals that are nearly done. You know how it's like right now. But I guess for now, um, we've just got to talk about what, what, what's officially been done. Um, I'll start us off um, in Norway. I just want to talk about Odd, actually, um, who have, they've sold uh, Rafik Zekanini to Fiorentina for 1.2 million. They've also sold Frederick Jensen. Uh, to a Belgian team, Zulter Valagem. So they've nearly netted £2 million in transfer fees already, um, which is uh, some of the biggest uh, sales uh, in Norway this season. They haven't, as of yet, signed anyone. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the money. Um, but yeah, just a couple of uh, bigger um, transfers to talk about there. Is there anything in Sweden that's really caught your eye? Well, I was going to throw
1: it back to you uh, I mean, before we move on to onto to Sweden, uh, which you know there's been plenty of transfers there. But just just on the subject of odd, I mean, they they're tempting the table. So if they've made those sales, what's their realistic ambition? I mean, how how are the fans? How would the fans respond to that? Is that is that a way for them getting rid of players, or is it a money making exercise? And you think they're strengthened? What's what's the outlook for odd?
0: I think they've done quite well actually to get the money they have. Uh, Zecchini, for example, wasn't even a regular starter this season due to injury. I don't think his mind was in it. They got 1.3 million for him and um, I think it's way too much. Uh, I don't really rate him that much, to be honest. I think uh, he'll be a flop at Fiorentina. Uh, Technically good player, but he's a bit soft in the head. Um, Certainly very soft in his body, so he'll probably be on the sidelines half the time over in Italy, won't he? So, yeah, I think they've done well to get the money. Now they've got to invest it well. Um, They're a team that have been used to being in the top four or five the last few seasons and recently it's just not been going their way. I would expect them to be knocked out of Europe this week. So, if that happens, then they can concentrate on the league with the right sort of signings. Then they can probably finish quite strongly and make make a bid towards the top uh, three or four. But so they've got to they've got to get the right guys in, and um, and that's obviously going to be the big challenge for odd. Um, but they are they an ambitious club? Yeah, yes and no. I think they're not really. You know, if they were really ambitious and wanted to win the league, then they would have progressed in the last couple of years, wouldn't they? And they didn't really make enough big deals. So, um, be interesting to see what they do with the money.
1: Okay, so that's odd. I mean, who, if you were sort of grading the transfer window at the state of play with you know just over, I think, ten days to go, who would you say has come out so far on top, and whose outlook has maybe changed for the best, uh, and maybe worst?
0: Yeah, very good question. Um, obviously, it's still quite a long way to go. Um, but right now, I actually think Sanderfield have done, done quite some good business. Actually, they've signed um, three players. Uh, the most um, notable being Carlos uh, Gross Muller from uh, from down there in, in Uruguay. Obviously, someone who has uh, history, uh, quite a reputation. He was at uh, Schalke back in the day, a couple of other European teams as well. Um, he's an ageing player, but, you know, let's see what he's got to offer. They've also signed um, a defender from uh, from Holland called uh, Crescendo van Berkel, who I've heard decent things about, and a striker from Peñarol uh, in Uruguay <laughs> called Facundo Rodriguez. So, uh, yes, uh, some exciting signings for Sanderfjord there. Um, Shout out to the constable. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think it's, um, you know, the, the, they've struck early in the transfer window as well, which is quite good. Uh, v King have obviously made a few um, signings they had to. A um, bit more uh, bit more money uh, to, to float around there now. And including, they've actually signed a player from uh, the Swedish league, uh, Fredrik Tornsteinboe from uh, Hammerbitch John. I don't really know much about him myself. You might know a little bit more there, but I think Tommy Herland, uh, from sir uh, he'll get them goals. He's a good poacher up front. He's an awful lot better than what strikers they had, uh, like the hor- horrible Patrick Pedersen, for example. Um, but they've signed a couple of defenders uh, as well, of the uh, Viking. Uh, they've lost players. Michael Ledger uh, had a decent loan spell. Carol Metz has gone to Holland. And uh, obviously, Questia Appai went back to Crystal Palace on loan. So it's ins and outs for V-King But, uh, you know, I think they had to they had to change their squad. Right now, I'd say Viking, Sandefjord, maybe Mulder um, look like they've uh, been the, the best uh, so far in the transfer window.
1: Okay, well, let's look at uh, one team who is in second place on the table, Sarzborg, five points behind Rosenberg, maybe their only likely challengers. I can see that they have lost a few. And uh, yeah, what are they, you know,
0: what's their outlook? Well, at the moment, there's not been any business into the club, I don't think. Um, that might change before the end of the window. They've lost uh, a couple of players. Uh, a striker has actually gone to Sweden, to Kalmar. Erten, uh Fezzulalou. I can never pronounce his name properly, to be honest. Fezulu. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's you gone good? to Kalmar, and he had a poor... Uh, a poor... Uh, Well, spell really at Sarpsborg, I would say. Um, Just didn't really go uh, his way, Um, you know. But uh, Kalmar obviously uh, are in desperate need of his services. They must be desperate for goals.
1: Well, they are. I mean, they're near the bottom of the table. Uh, I don't know if you know too much about what kind of player he is, but uh, he did actually play in their 2-0 win against AFC Eskilstuna. Uh, in in the last week, but then he wasn't in the squad for the the next game. Uh, in the game he played, I thought he was okay. I uh, didn't really stand out, if I'm honest. He, I think I thought that, although he did get an assist, um, which was actually quite a good pass, but um, I felt like Kalmar in general in that game against AFC, which was a massive game actually, uh, the re- in the relegation zone. I felt they met, they they were very wasteful. I mean. Is, does he have a tendency to be that way in general? Or what can Kalmar fans maybe expect from him?
0: Well, he only scored two goals in his time at Salzburg. He was, and in, in the end, relegated to the bench. Um, he was often used as a sort of an impact substitute. I think he's good physically in the air. I, I think heading the ball is one of his big strengths. Um, but I didn't really get enough of a consistent look of him to to really rate the player fully to be honest, John. I mean, I just think it's worrying um, that a player is going from there to, to the Swedish league because I think sometimes, obviously, it's it's seen that the Swedish league's at a higher level than, than Norway and uh, it's a... I would say, I, I'm not expecting big things from him at Kalmar, but this is someone in the past who has a fairly good record, I think, in Sweden. Uh, Jörgård, he, he scored a few goals, for example. So, maybe he can... Maybe he prefers it south of the border.
1: <laughs> Perhaps, you know, a bit like myself with uh, the north there. But uh, what then, before we move on to the Swedish, I suppose, transfer window, what would you say, which team most needs to get get busy in the last sort of 10 days or so, in your opinion? And second question, uh, who do you think has been the best individual signing to date uh, if you had to rate one? I mean, I know some of them you might not know about because they, they've come from different leagues and obviously that kind of thing. But maybe what, is there is there a transfer or a couple of transfers that fit best to teams in terms of what they need?
0: Yeah, I, I, I'll give, I'll tell you one example and you are going to know about this player. Christopher Tello, um, uh, Mulder signed him from Shipping and they, you know, he's obviously a left back and uh, it's a position that Mulder have needed to fill um for quite a while and uh, so if he's you know he's someone he's actually market value is close to a million million pounds so um yeah this is someone that's obviously gonna should in theory do well in the in the uh norwegian league so i just first of all before we move on to your other questions what's your opinion of this player yeah i think that i mean
1: he i suppose it's a bit like losing the dice when you're playing a game of snakes and ladders or, you know, losing losing a couple of the pieces on a jigsaw puzzle. I think his his loss is gonna be a has already been a blow, really, to Noah Shopping. Uh, and I think it will be a blow uh going forward unless they get a player in to maybe replace him. I mean they Noah Shopping are in a bit of a bad run at the moment. They're in a they're in a sticky spell. And they were beaten four one by EF Corto Bog uh this past weekend and obviously Tello Tello wasn't there so they they had to play Stargastahl who's nominally a kind of central midfielder or a center back uh, not really a known left back uh they had to play him at left back and i think Tello's absence was felt in that game and i think it will be felt going forward un- unless they replace him i mean Tello for Molde fans maybe he's a he's a 27 year old left back uh, i think it's a big fairly big move for him this um you know uh, I wasn't sure where he could go, but, you know, it seems like a move that maybe he he, well, he was ready for. Um, he, I think, you know, the right-footed left-back, so that was one of my criticisms. He, he, like, he likes to be on his right foot, so he, he doesn't always have the ability to kind of go in, um, on the outside sometimes. Um, but, I, I, you know, in general, I thought he was quite an important part player for for shipping And I think the thing is with them and, you know, like I said about the jigsaw puzzle, They've lost a bit of balance now, um, and I don't think they've really recovered from losing another player in Niklas Barcroft, uh, who went to Lech Poznan in, in Poland. So they've lost kind of like a right midfielder and, and, and their left back in the 4 4 So they're struggling for balance, I think, at the moment. And since then, you know, they've lost, I think, three straight in the Ostfenskand. Uh, they lost in Europe as well, which was a terrible result for them going out of the Europa League. Uh they're kind of struggling, yeah. So I think Mulder fans, I mean, I don't know if Mulder necessarily were they desperate for a left back.
0: Yeah, they needed a left back, really. And I think it's at the moment I would say that's probably the best signing of the window for Norway, for a Norwegian team.
1: Yeah, I mean he'll he'll fit the bill in that case. I mean I felt like sometimes he he didn't look that comfortable sometimes a left back. Um but you know, that that's just the games I've seen of him. So, you know, I could be wrong in that in that sense. But um, I thought he had grown into quite a good player and although he doesn't offer that huge amount of assists this season uh, he he complimented the side well and, and was, was was a solid kind of performer for them so I think they will miss him yeah
0: That's for teams that need to get busy I think, I think Rosenborg need to start signing some quality players they probably will before the end of the window I think uh, Strom's good sir. could do with uh, adding a piece or two uh, Valerenga need to get busy and tr- I think Tromso need to get busy as well yeah, they're in trouble in in, in the uh, in the relegation zone, and I think they could do with a bit of fresh blood. So, but there's a long way to go still. Uh, in you know two weeks actually in the Norwegian uh, window. So, um, you know what I'm going to do at the end of the, the this window, I'm going to have a look at all the players that have uh, officially come in, and um, you know I think only then it's it's fair to to judge the the teams on their their acquisitions really. So in terms of Sweden itself, there's less time to go. Um, which. So sort of two or three clubs that have done well so far. John, would you say
1: two or three clubs that have done well in the transfer window in Sweden? Well, I think the first place to start with that is who, who's, what's the table looking like, and in that sense, the table is favouring uh, Malmo. Obviously, the um, perennial big boys. They are ten points, ten points clear now. So you know they they almost have the title wrapped up, really. Um just below them you've got your garden, Sirius and AIK, second, third and fourth. Osterson's there just behind and fifth. Um, bottom of the table, ASCS Kostuna, Hamstad, Kalmar are the ones who really look like you know they're gonna be fighting for to stay up, maybe Gifson's file as well. And Yon Shopping. But yeah, in terms of uh, who's done well, I think I think one of them window, the teams that has impressed me most, I'd probably say is AIK. Uh, I think they have done some really good business. I think they've plugged the gaps that they needed to plug. Um, We said it on this pod many times that they had a a, a strong defense. They've only conceded 10 goals this season in 16 games, but they had troubles scoring. And, you know, they've only scored 15 in, in 16 games, but... They've addressed that with the re-signing of Chinadu Abassi, the Nigerian uh, winger or striker. Um, he's come back to the club, which is a really good signing. I think one of the players there recently said he, he's one of the best players he's ever played with. So that sums up Abassi's ability. He was a Schalke, obviously, and he's um, a strong, kind of powerful player. We talked about Rasmus Lindqvist in previous episodes of this podcast. Uh, I think he was a player we analyzed and you know he was at Wallerenga and he's come in and filled in the left back position. Um and I think Stefanelli, Nicolas Stefanelli now is a uh, signing from Argentina. Uh I think Defensa just Justicia. He he he's a twenty three three year old uh forward and he looks like it, you know, he could be a talent as well. So they've they've really looked to strengthen their forward line and that's encouraging. That's what they need to be doing. And you know, now they're in the top sort of top four. Potentially, they're two points behind your guard, and they could t- challenge for
0: second place. Maybe I think they've plugged gaps well. Um, they got a game in hand as well, they are. Okay, so if they actually won that, they would move into second place. And uh, yeah, it looks like they they could be a team that, that, that finished strongly uh, uh, this season, uh, John. And um, you know, it looks looking good for them.
1: Definitely, yeah. I think they've they've done well. I mean, there's not been some clubs haven't done much business. Um, <clears throat> for example, your Garden haven't haven't bought anybody, and they've lost Gustav Engval, who's gone back to Bristol City, where he was on you know he's on loan, and he'd done quite well. He's one of the top scorers in the league. Uh, you know he he he'd been doing well for them with seven goals. So you know they they but they've you know in their most recent game they played AFC Eskilstuna and beat them, and they have a player I like called Elu Badge who came in and played up front and scored a goal and. He there's you know, a young talent Senegalese player and he looks good. So maybe they don't need to dip into the market necessarily to replace well uh, Ostersons haven't really done much business either. They had to bring in an, an emergency loan uh, keeper, Andrew Mills, an Englishman. Uh, mm. But they haven't really done too much. Uh, Elsborg have only brought in one player, the returning legend, uh, Samuel Holman, who was in Turkey but said he, he got bored and wanted to go home. Back to his, his, um, you know, his the club he loves. But yeah, there's, you know, there's not been too many. I mean, I think one of the things about Sweden is there has been quite a lot of departures actually, uh, and I think that could be pivotal. Um, Hammerby have been very busy; they've made a lot of moves. Uh, Joseph Aidu, the centre back, for example, who was they uh, actually announced they sold him mid midway through a match uh, to oh, get... right. <laughs> which uh, <laughs> I don't know if they sort of um, you know took him out, but... took him off the bench, and just uh, put him on a plane. Mid game, but uh, yeah, he's, he's gone to Belgium now for a fee of around one million pounds. Uh, and they've got a young player who can come in and replace him, um, from their uh, academy, I believe, Deglund. So he's you know, he I'm not sure he'll be missed necessarily, but he's a good player.
0: What about uh, at the 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 bottom of the table, John? Which teams, um, have, have impressed you most in the transfer window so far there in the battle to survive?
1: Well. You know they haven't. Uh, if we look at the bottom of the table, they, their teams haven't been that active. Um, AFC Eskostuna, Michael Jolly. They've they've brought Abdul Razak back from EFK Ytterborg. He he went to IFK there uh, in the summer, but it's been a really disastrous move really for all parties. Um, he hasn't really enjoyed it there, and they've they've Eskastuna brought him back on loan now. Obviously, uh, he helped them get promoted last season. Um, that's the only movement really so far <clears throat> for them. Kalmar have been very active with the new manager, and uh, Nani Bergstrand. He's brought in a number of players, as we mentioned. Uh, your lad there, Zulahu. I think I've got that right, I'm not sure. But yeah, they've they've also brought in a player from
0: Brazil called Romario. Um, and, Romario? Yeah, it's not the Romario. Oh, I was going to say, he was a, a legend, wasn't he, back in the day?
1: Well, he was, yeah, he's... You could probably do, still do the job for some teams as
0: <laughs> probably could actually. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just looking at the table. I mean, Helmstad and AFC uh, have uh, just two wins between them all season, which is appalling. I mean, both those two teams need to get, get a move on, don't they? Um, with with new blood, if they are going to have a chance of surviving this year.
1: Well, are, uh yeah, they've they've been struggling to be honest, and they've they've brought in a couple of players. Well, I think one from Iceland and uh, Johan Orimo as well from Gefle in the second division. Uh, but they lost Rebin Asad and uh, another player. So yeah, Hamstad. Uh, to be fair, I haven't seen much of Hamstad in, in recent weeks. But one player I did want to identify uh, is a good signing from IK Sirius, who I really think they, they've managed to get a bit of a coup there. They've they've managed to pick up uh, Shkodran Maholi uh, from Biko Hakan. Now he was a striker who went in there in the summer and just couldn't seem to get a game. And he's gone to to Sirius. Uh and obviously they, you know, they they're still pushing at the top of the table. You know, they they're the revelation of the season, Steve. They really are. Mm. Um and he's gone there and he scored two goals in two games, like straight away. So, you know, and it got an assist as well in against Malmo. So he that's you know, two goals two goals, one assist in three games. So if I was uh, looking at a player who's maybe been the best signing of the window so far, I think Godran Maholi would definitely be up there. And I also think Ahmed Yassin of uh, Beko Hakan as well. Yeah, he's another player who's, who's who's done well so far. Uh, and got a couple of goals, come straight into Hakan's team and and done quite well. So, yeah, in terms of the bottom of the league, I think Eskilstuna will need to be busy in the last week or so. Um
0: yeah, I mean, you know, they they the time's running out for them if they're gonna stay up. Yeah, um I think it's before we move on to have a quick look at the weekend's games. Um I know one 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 name that you wanted to talk about was um an IFK uh signing, uh on loan from uh, Juventus. Uh Vajabar Sakor, who uh I actually he was in the Norwegian League last year with Valerenga actually, um John and um I have to say, I think he, he could be a good uh, signing for them. Well, you can't beat you can't beat a bit of Ajabar, That's what the fans
1: are singing right now because um, he actually scored with, with his first touch at the weekend against Nor Shopping. It was um, a be- well. It took a bit of a deflection, but it was a lovely volley, uh, left-footed, outside the area, uh, and I think it was within eight minutes or so of coming on. So, yeah, I mean, do you know much about him? I, I think he was in Norway as well, and. He's been taken on loan from, obviously, a huge club in Juventus. What's the, what's the skinny on him?
0: Yeah, he, he was on loan last year at uh, Vahla um for most of the year. Good technical player, a bit lightweight physically sometimes, but he knows how to pick a pass. Um, i say from a technical point of view, I, I certainly rated him. I do believe he was on loan in the Dutch league the in the early part of this year, Villen Treve, and I would imagine that would have done him some good to move to, to a, a higher standard of league. Sounds like he started with a bang at uh, IFK. And, you know, he's a, he's a player to watch out for in the future. He's only 21 years old. And um, I'd say I think he's got a good uh, good uh, future ahead of him. A technically good player. Probably will suit the Asvenskin.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because... I've been preparing potentially to do a team in, t- team in focus on the EF Core and uh, their crisis. And as soon as I prepared to do it, they lo and behold, they're going to smash uh, No Shopping 4 1. So they've uh, they've um, escaped my clutches this week, uh, really there. And they've been quite active in the market, actually, uh, IFK. They've, they've brought in a few. There's a lad from um, Brighton, I believe, called Sam Adikugbe, who was a Vancouver Whitecaps as well. And I think you might, I know, I know mm. you cover uh, MLS from time to time. I don't know if you know about him, but he made his debut and, and did quite well in the 4-1 win. Uh, came on as a... I think there was an injury and he came on. Um, Billy Nordstrom's come back from Warburg, uh, uh, you know, the left-back. Uh, so, yeah, there's been some activity from EF Corps. And, you know, maybe they can turn things around. I mean, they've lost a couple as well. Uh, they've lost their captain. They've lost, you know, Henrik Bjordal now has gone... He was on loan from Brighton and he's gone back. But... um. Maybe the signs are that the things are starting to clear up for you. Of course, maybe they can. You know, there's an internal crisis there, but maybe they maybe things are looking up for them with that four-one win. But um, yeah, I mean, do you know much about Ada Cookby potentially or um from Vancouver?
0: Um, you know, I'd have to I'd actually have to look back through my database and any notes that I've I've got about ada Cookbe. He's not someone that sticks out um, like a sore thumb or anything. So um, still younger, yeah, he's twenty-two. So. It's uh, it's been a while since um, since I saw him in action, but I think anyone who's been in MLS and he did start games uh, for for Vancouver, um, you know, moving into the Swedish league, it can work. And uh, it, it sounds like they're a club that needed to be active. Um, I think uh, going forward and um, you know after this transfer window, we will be doing some teams in focus again, like we have been doing before. Um, but as I say, right now it is just so manic. Um, you know, that uh, I think it really transfers dominate a lot of things. Uh, I think after the windows are shut, we're probably going to give grades to every team, aren't we? Um, about how they got on in this window and what the prognosis is looking forward for everyone. Um, so we're, uh, yeah, I think, um, let's just before we go off, let's talk about you did mention uh, in the Swedish league that the big thing is, is players leaving the Um what in terms of value and transfer fees has there been any really big deals to talk about
1: yeah i think um a bit like maybe a, a white house a white house press conference there's been a lot of exits in the last uh in the last <laughs> what, few weeks um it's become a bit of a revolving door at the moment and yeah i mean if i was to identify a few actually there's there's quite a few steve to be fair i, I know we're running out of time here we're having a shorter pod this week but uh, I'll name some Paco pa who's a left back who's gone to Italy uh, for around 300k, he left Malmo um, he's been at the club for many years and you know I think he's maybe slightly under underappreciated at times, but he's been there for a long time and it'll be a challenge for him in Italy another one is Suli Vizanen who we talked about on another pod I think and he has left AIK as well and gone to the same team SPAL uh, in Serie A recently promoted um, Sulejman Kurpic, who could potentially go down as one of the worst transfers in the history of Swedish football, uh, has left AIK. He he joined uh from, from a, a Bosnian team, I believe, Sloboda Tuzla, I think, and he scored no goals, played hardly any games, got in a uh, bit of a scuffle, um, was wanted at home for assault, and then was basically released again. So he's gone back back home and. I don't know to deal with his own personal issues, maybe, but that was a terrible transfer, and it was uh, encapsulated their kind of problems in in scoring goals. Um, but yeah, there's been there's been quite a few moves. there's been quite a lot of movement to be fair. Barcloth, as I mentioned, that Noah shopping uh, has gone to Poland, which is a you know I know you think that's a a higher league in terms of quality.
0: Mm, I, I do rate the Polish league and uh, one point one point one million pound uh, Joseph. I do from Hammerby to Genk. What do you make of that one? Yeah, as I mentioned, they sold him at
1: half they sold him at half time, I think. Um so that's that's a you know that was a lot um an interesting one there. But they've they've been fairly active, Hammerby. Uh they have lost quite a few players.
0: Um Is he, I meant is he worth that sort of money?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, well yeah. he didn't really stand out, if I'm honest. I mean he, he he I think he's one of those players who's got potential, he's only twenty-one. And I think I think Genk have kind of bought potential rather than maybe outstanding performances. Um, You know, for me, Genk have got, sorry, uh, Hammerby have got a player who could end up, you know, maybe replacing him, and that is um, Daiglen from their academy, who, although he's younger and he's not necessarily um, established yet, I think, you know, he's very highly rated there. So he's got a chance of, you know, maybe stepping in. and, and filling that void so I don't think they'll necessarily hugely miss I do some fans might disagree with me on that one but um, yeah I think you know a million pounds in, in the Swedish or Norwegian league goes
0: a fairly long way doesn't it uh, an awful long way you know that's that's the one that really stuck out to me and um, you know let's see what sort of future he has he's a Ghanaian so um, you know could he be um, you know one of the black stars that lifts the African nations in the future let's see Well,
1: the thing with you know, just briefly, yeah. Before we finish, there the thing with Genk is they they have quite a good uh, recruitment in general. They seem to pick up players quite quite well. I think they 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 do scout the Swedish and Norwegian leagues quite quite intensely. So you know, maybe they they, they do have an eye for a player at times, but maybe they've they've seen something in, in him there. Mm. Um, but Marcus Degelund, uh, who's was a young player at Hamby, a young centre back. I think he's got uh,
0: quite a big future. Yeah. So uh, well, I think that's about it. We're going to have to uh, leave this uh, this one, John, and. Uh... Um, really interesting. We could talk all day, couldn't we, about these transfers? We really could. Yeah. Um,
1: before, before we go, I just wanted to quickly ask you, Steve. Did you see Wolverhampton against Manchester United, the friendly at the weekend?
0: No, I, d- I didn't uh, see any of that one uh, at all. Uh, did you watch it? I
1: did actually. I watched parts of it. Yeah, not 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 in a great depth, but um, it was an interesting because remember when we had the I think it was the second episode or third episode of the podcast, and we had um we had Lars Svensson on, didn't we?
0: Yeah, yeah, good old Lars, yeah.
1: Yeah, he you know, he was saying in that podcast about how the popularity of sort of English teams and uh it looked like a stadium was really almost almost packed to capacity for that game. And obviously just being a friendly, you know, um it did raise some question marks, I suppose, you know, the fans flocking to see to see United. But
0: um Well they want to see better quality players, don't they? They don't get to see that type of player in in the uh League and um you know, obviously it just proves how popular the English uh, Premier League uh, is really um, not just in Norway, but across the world. You know, there's so much money in the Premier League now. People want to flock to see these players, don't they?
1: Yeah, and I suppose before we go, I have one final question for you: Is there <clears throat> one player in Norway that you think could end up maybe playing for Manchester United and having that star quality at the moment, or is there is there nobody? You know, is were, were those stars the, the best that you know people are going to see in Norway for a while, or is there maybe a
0: there isn't. I mean there's not a Norwegian um in the uh, in the Elite Assarian who um who has that star quality right now, I don't think, to to move to to a world class level. So um, you know, whereas in the past you might have said um, you know, Martin Odegaard, you know, for example, um before he went to Real Madrid, you know, as a special talent coming through. I wouldn't say there's anyone really, really special right now. Uh, but you never know, players can develop, can't they? So, um, there's always hope. But right now, I think the quality levels in the elite of Serian is lower than it was in, in in the past, historically. Sadly, fair enough,
1: mate. Yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for answering that. And uh, as always, it's been a pleasure to, to spend this time with you.
0: Yeah, as I said, we could have gone on for hours, couldn't we, about these transfers? And uh, we'll talk about them uh, in future episodes, no doubt. Uh, remember to follow us uh, on Twitter at Nordic. Uh, football pod i think it was it nordic foot pod i can't uh fully remember that one yeah, the letter the letter nordic foot pod um any feedback is always uh, most welcome uh both praise or criticism uh you can so yeah feel free to get in touch and we'll be back um uh, in the future hopefully next week uh and certainly after the transfer window has been done then you can look forward to more um sort of uh the normal episodes that we produce with teams in focus, players in focus, et cetera, et cetera. But from this uh, edition, I'll uh, say goodbye, everyone. I'm jumping out the transfer window now. Goodbye.